I'd like you to close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes and imagine that you're a waiter who's been hired to work at a wedding reception. Your job is to serve the bowls of food and the jugs of wine. It's hard work, but it pays well. And it can be a fun night, especially when people get dancing towards the end. But on this night, as you work, you notice that the wine is about to run out. So you go tell the mother of the groom, she's the one in charge of the food. And she goes off to talk to another one of her sons. Maybe he will know who in the village has wine that they can buy at such a late hour. The guests are starting to get anxious and they keep beckoning to you to come to serve their table. And you have to wave them off and wave them off. Then the mother of the groom and her son take you to, over to the back of the courtyard. There along the back wall are a bunch of wash basins. That's where the guests washed their hands and feet when they came in. You think you're about to get into trouble because it's a bit of a mess, since you haven't had time to clean up all the towels and spilled water since they came in. But they point to the stone jars full of water the guests use for washing up, and they tell you to top up the water. And the mother of the groom tells you to fill the wine jug with some of that water. And you realize that if you serve this water to those drunk guests, there is going to be a riot. If you serve this water to those drunk guests, they're going to throw this water back at you in your face. No tips for you tonight. This wedding party is about to go off the rails. Then the brother asks you to take the wine jug full of water and pour some in the cup of the master of ceremonies at the front. This is going to get bad very quickly. Fearfully you go and you pour some in his ceramic mug. You're thinking, it's dark in this candlelit courtyard. Maybe he's drunk enough that he's not going to notice. But he notices. The master of the ceremonies turns to you and says, what is this? Fear grips your tongue. The master of ceremonies is now impatient, agitated. He hands you his mug and tells you to drink it. As you put it to your lips, what do you taste? Do you taste the water? Or do you taste the wine? Now open your eyes. How many of you could taste the wine? How many of you tasted water? How many don't want to say? It's not easy, is it? Imagining something impossible? It's never easy. One of the main things that always amazed me about Jesus is his belief that we can do impossible things. Think about when Jesus walked on the water. What does he do? He doesn't just isn't happy walking on the water. He calls Peter out of the boat and says, come join me walking on the water. And Peter actually does start walking on the water until Peter realizes what he's doing, which is impossible. And then Peter starts sinking beneath the waves. It can be a scary thing, imagining or trying to do something that is impossible. Many years ago, I went to a business meeting at the United Church of Canada's General Council offices in Toronto. 
We are trying to allocate your mission and service donations to the different parts of the country. We are figuring out where to give these grants. They go to small congregations, outreach ministries, university chaplaincies. But that year there had been a terrible drop in mission and service givings. And we were trying to figure out where we could cut without hurting the most vulnerable of our congregations. Being a United Church meeting, our meeting opened with worship. And the leader that morning walked us through a guided meditation of Jesus walking on the water. And at one point, he asked us to imagine sticking our feet over the side of the boat and trying to imagine what did it feel like having that water hold you up. And afterwards, he asked us how many of us were able to do it. How many of us could imagine walking on the water with Jesus? And these are United Church ministers from all across the country. But we were so tied to our fearful situation, not one of us could imagine walking on the water with Jesus. What about you? Could you imagine yourself walking on the water with Jesus? Scary, isn't it? It's a hard thing to even just imagine. We live in such a rational world that our imaginations are rarely given permission to soar. We're taught from a young age that you cannot fly, and water cannot be magically turned into wine, and so we have a tendency to rely upon the data that our rational minds think is important. As a result, we miss out on a lot of the wondrous gifts that are given to us by God. I had dinner this past week with a minister who learned an important lesson about the many spiritual gifts God gives us. This minister had served on a First Nations reserve, and one of the most important services of the year for that community was their Remembrance Day service. Every year, the entire First Nations community gathered at the Cenotaph, and they remembered by name every person who had ever served or died in every war. And we're not just talking about the First World War and the Second World War. They went back to the War of 1812 in their history. It was a long list of people who had served. And as this long list of names was being honored, the minister noticed that up in the sky, there were a handful, like five or six bald eagles circling overhead. And for the entire Remembrance Day ceremony, there's this half a dozen bald eagles soaring in the sky. And nobody else seemed to be paying any attention to this rather wondrous and fantastic sight. And afterwards, this minister asked some of the elders about the eagles. And the elders said, they're here every year. That's what eagles do. And she remembered that for the Aboriginal peoples in North America, the bald eagle is special. It is the sacred messenger which carries our prayers on its wings to the Creator. Bald eagles bring spiritual gifts and sacred visions for the people. They're a symbol of strength and truth that endures. 
And sure enough, as she was there for several years, she discovered that every year on November the 11th, at the 11th hour, eagles soar over the heads of those who gather to remember those who served and those who have fallen. That's what eagles do if we're open to their gift. St. Paul tells us that God has given us many such spiritual gifts. These gifts let us know of God's abiding presence in powerful ways. These are the gifts of wisdom, prophecy, and healing. And these gifts do not fit inside the neat box that rational scientific world has put us into. These gifts are given and they let us know of the fullness of God's power and grace. These are gifts that are like those eagles soaring overhead. They're available to us all if we're willing to look up and see that they're there. If we're open to welcoming them in, they are available to each of us. Because these gifts are given for the common good of us all. They're used not for the good of one person, but for the good of all. And these spiritual gifts give us the gift of hope. I believe such spiritual gifts are truly needed today because you and I stand in need of hope. We stand in need of a miracle today. Our congregation is going through a serious financial challenge right now, which we cannot solve on our own. We only have the resources to fund this building and our ministry for a few more years. We're going to require a major change in how we conduct our ministry if we are to continue. Last week, those of you who are here heard from Bob Richards, who's a consultant we're working with. And Bob Richards spoke about the process we're starting to enter into. He spoke about how we need to look at redeveloping our sense of ministry, since so many of our members are quite elderly. We need to look at redeveloping our financial model, as we're no longer having the resources to sustain this building or our current level of staffing. One way or another, Dominion Chalmers United Church is going to look very different in five years' time. Now, for many of us, trying to imagine this building being redeveloped may not seem possible. It may be right up there with imagining yourself walking on the water, or right up there with turning water into wine. To imagine this congregation moving to a new location may seem equally impossible. To imagine cutting back on our programs and staff may also seem impossible and not something we can even picture. To imagine that we would have to do our ministry different, differently may seem impossible. But God does have this habit of asking us to do impossible things and making them work if we're willing to do them with Jesus. God doesn't ask us to take on all these impossible tasks by ourselves. God is asking us to be people who share the spiritual gifts that have been given to us all, to share the spiritual gift of hope. Because by the gift of God's grace, we can be a prophetic voice that shares God's call for justice. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we can be a shelter for those who are needy. By the grace of God and by God's work, we can work with God for healing peace and reconciliation in our world. 
But like the servant who had to serve that first jug of the water turned into wine, these are not easy things to do. These are difficult things to do. And not all of us want to take those kinds of risks. We have to be willing to put the risk of putting our feet over the side of the boat and trust that God's love is capable of keeping our feet above water. The problem we're in, God is not going to fix all on God's own. God needs us to take the risk of working with Jesus to deal with this. Many years ago, I had this dream that kept on happening. It was a dream that I was falling. No, that wasn't a dream. It was a nightmare. Um, In this recurring nightmare, I was falling off of a cliff. I would grab at things on the way down, and nothing would break my fall. And this nightmare was so horrific that I had to wake myself up because it was the only way to end it because I didn't want to hit the ground. I mentioned this recurring nightmare I was having and the fact that it was really messing up my sleep to a friend of mine. And my friend said, you do know that you can change your dreams so that anything can happen. They are dreams. You know that, don't you? And I never really thought about changing my dreams. And so she shared with me some strategies on how to do it. So the next time I started having that falling dream, I got myself to be aware that, oh yes, we're having this dream again, aren't we? And I changed the dream. Instead of falling, all of a sudden I just stopped in midair. Sort of like the Roadrunner cartoon when Wiley e. Coyote runs off the cliff and he's standing there and then he realizes there's nothing underneath him. That was me in the middle of the air. Except I wasn't falling. And when I realized that I wasn't falling, I thought, well, maybe I could fly. Turns out, if you want to, in your dreams, you can fly. So I went from a fearful state of being out of control into a lucid state where I knew I was dreaming. And because I was dreaming, I could do something that was impossible. I occasionally have that dream every now and then. But I quite welcome it because I love the chance to fly. May we all learn how to fly. As St. Paul says, I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. Amen.